Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are discussing Mr. Miracle number 14, The Quick and the Dead. I told you before how much I like this issue. What's that? It's oh, very arbitrary and odd. I wonder how much you liked it. Liked it pretty good, you know. It's it's pretty interesting. There are some some funny moments to it. Just the beginning, I like uh, I like the designs of some of the costumes. I think what was interesting about the cover is I don't know if this is the cover in the trade paperback, but like the foreground villains are not colored; they're in white, mm -hmm. and uh, you could see like the background villains were in all in gray, and they're not colored either. The only people or characters were colored as like Scott and Oberon. So it's interesting how like there's stuff in the foreground, background, but the middle is what they want, what pops, which is the main character. I just like that coloring. I'm just interested in it. What... It's another example of Kirby at his best, right? You know, yeah. it's got with the eye. Yep. And uh, the coloring, I guess it's Mike Royer who's doing the coloring, huh? I think. I'm pretty sure that the cover is the same in the original issue, too. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. And then it was interesting. So this, the first three pages of this issue remind me of kind of like three, could have been three things. Island of Dr. Moreau, a sex cult in the 70s, <laughs> or a horror movie midsummer where it was like a cult of like pretty much close to the sex cult, except sans sex it just feels so strange and so off from everything the masks are so weird mm -hmm. unique, spooky like we were talking about before with the cthulhu type characters Kirby yeah. draw like the guy on the on the third page who's got the like the hairs coming out of his mask or whatever it is yeah the blonde hair yeah weird right all these guys look like they are like they, they actually do look like devil worshippers or something even worse. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when was the, uh, the the Satanist scare? Was that in the 70s or 80s? It was the 80s, but in the 70s, and the, one of the biggest movies in the early 70s was The Exorcist. Well, yeah, I remember <laughs> Exorcist, uh, Omen. Was Omen in the 80s? I thought that was the 70s. 70s also, and, yeah. And then yes. before that was... Um, uh, Rosemary's Baby, which is in the late 60s, early 70s. So. so this kind of thing was definitely in the air. Yeah, and also we do know that the villain is kind of faking it, right? It's not really Satan. It's just some villain. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed in that. But maybe we'll get to that in a minute. I, I really enjoyed these the masks and the costumes and the weirdness of this, this setup, too. Everything about it just feels like completely off-putting. Mm -hmm. I was also struck by how arbitrary everything seems. Like Scott and Oberon are just wandering through the woods and suddenly the sky comes running out and people come running after him and they just get sucked into this adventure. Like they have, they, they may as well not be from Apocalypse or wherever. They, may as, they could just be any kind of protagonists who get dragged into this bizarre drama. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that aspect of it too. It's almost like a dreamlike beginning. Yeah. Like the whole issue has aspects that feel like a dream. 
you know, everything just feels like and like Hansel and Gretel or something. Maybe that's the wrong analogy because it's Satanist, but no, you know, I think it makes like sense. I think it, it's similar to Hansel and Gretel in the sense that, like, yeah, there might be some otherworldly thing, and you come up on a house, you know, classic. Uh, that's interesting. I um, I I feel like a lot of this, at least for this issue, and maybe everything, there's a lot of stream of conscious drawing and storytelling, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And trying to bring everything together towards that. And I think, you know, didn't Kirby like just start from the top of the page, go all the way down everything that was in his head? So I don't really think he really has any story construction to this. He just keeps going on and on. And then in the middle, he decided, oh, yeah, I should probably allude to Barda and everybody else. And then comes back to here and then ends it. And he's so talented and he's done this for so long, hours upon hours upon hours, that he makes sense of something right he starts out with satan and then towards the end he's like you know what i think satan's probably too scary for kids so let me just bring it and i think one of the things i do want to say about this whole story and issue is i think scott has always been about science and coming up with gadgets and things like that and it's like i do enjoy the fact that if i were a kid i wouldn't want to be too scared about some like otherworldly satanist cult at the end, like, you know, Scott solves it with science pretty much. I mean, it's, it's still dos ex machina, but it's, but it's science, you know? Something very human and relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that. As a kid, I would like that. As an adult who's scared of horror movies, I still like it. <laughs> I want to go back to you talking about stream of consciousness because that's absolutely how this issue feels. It totally feels like he's making it up as he goes along. And yet the pacing is excellent. And the story just has this like hurtling of momentum to it. And this energy that just is like, just exciting. Mm-hmm. You feel dragged along. I mean, there's nice visual continuity like the same creature or same masks we see on pages two and three are behind Madame Evil Eyes on page seven. So these are the same people. We get that visually, but it, yeah. I lo- I really enjoy how it feels like Kirby's just kind of playing with ideas, which I guess also leads to this dreamlike feel to the issue. Yeah. I also, I want to, before we go on to past seven, I do want to point something out about Scott. He's so cocky, always bragging. Uh, Oberon comes to after they blow up and he's like, are you all right? Is everything? He's like, yeah, you know, I jumped down on the ground before the thing went off because I know how to do it. You know, he's always bragging. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kind of, kind of a little self-confident. Uh, did you feel like this issue was drawn really quickly? Also, I didn't get that, but there's a uh, few places yeah. where like characters seem a little sketchy, and oh. also places where, uh, like Royer doesn't tighten it up in the way he did, did in other times. What like what page? Face. I mean, I don't see any background on page seven, uh, but what what are the what specific page are you thinking about? Well, like on page seventeen, like Oberon's face all throughout that page just looks like it's really sketched in, and Scott's face somehow looks a little lacking of detail. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it it to me it feels like Kirby just threw this out there. 
And again, like you're saying, he just had enough confidence in himself to know that it would still work. Well, I love the storytelling in this one, at least like panel to panel. Like, like for example, one thing I really, I wrote down actually that I'm going to copy for other stuff if I draw my stuff, you know, if I draw anything similar to this. Page nine, panels three to five, where Stompa stomps a literal stomp, stump to the ground. <laughs> Stompa stumps a stump? So you see a leg like, you know, come on down on a tree stump and like pushes it. I love that page. And then, you know, the page that you mentioned about like not having the details, uh, number 17, there's just some really great storytelling where like the way they're running, you know, like an Indiana Jones where like, you know, something closes and like, and you know, Indy has to go below a door before, right, before it closes. Page 17 panels three to five is the same way. It's like really fun paneling. It's like, you know exactly what's going on there. Mm -hmm. So I think, he, he might be rushing it, but he's not rushing the storytelling. He's maybe the detail, and that could just be Royer or, or whatnot. That's true. Yeah, and even on that, like, even panel one on that page with the knives flying right into our face. Yeah. It's just so dynamic. Although I don't know how they ran away. Although, no, they, already, they were already on the ground. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's such great storytelling. Yeah, the knives... They're on the ground, knives goes over them, they get up, they run, they go right below the falling uh, gated door. They just make it. Actually, Oberon almost gets chopped off. And so then the next cool. see them standing up. Mm -hmm. Like the visual continuity is so nice in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, yeah, actually, but the more I look at that, like then you look at the next couple pages, Madame Evil Eyes, like running away. She, there's the fire explodes, and then she starts running away, and we see her actions as she's running away. And mm -hmm. Kirby does a great job of having the front view, the side view, and then the front view, and then the back view. So we know where she's going and how she's moving. It really is cinematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the eyes too, like page 21, where you see Madam Evil Eyes with the eyes. With the suns in her eyes or whatever. Yeah. I wanted to mention something that was funny to me, not really relevant to the story, but I feel like on page 10, Ted is kind of hitting on Barda. Page 10, panel four and five, he's all like, hey, we two would make a great team. Ted Brown and Big Barda, expert in riot control. And then, you know, Barda is like, she's oblivious to him trying to come on her ass like most women are when dudes are like being weird he's like we're not so great at keeping tabs on mr miracle and oberon it's like i know you really i know who you're really worried about tell me are you in love with mr miracle barda yeah she and then she just kind of stares off into space and says i, I never gave it much thought but we know she's thought about it a lot mm -hmm. she never makes eye contact with ted on these pages yeah because she's not really interested in him he's interested no. in her yeah. Well, who wouldn't be? She's the best. Well, honestly, who wouldn't be? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she is the best. She's a leader. She's tough. She's strong. That's the only thing I was disappointed in this issue was we don't get enough Farda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you do see her leadership, her soldier leadership. Although... I, I feel like the part where, like, a Stampa and... Lashina. Sash, yeah. When they get in a in a fight and she breaks it up she's like okay go get some food when you have your mouth full you can't be insulting each other 
and then Stompa's all like, oh, huh, your barracks philosophy, philosophy just knocks me out. And I almost feel like, I wonder if that happened to Kirby at World War II, where like <laughs> fighting each other and like somebody told him what his sergeant or he told his soldiers to go get some food, then they won't be, you know, yelling at each other. Oh, barracks philosophy. Enough of that barracks philosophy. Yeah. But this is a good issue. I'll be honest, like it's becoming a little bit of a schlog because there's no continuity to any stories and it's not related to uh, new gods or anything. But I, I'm loving the art. I mean, I just love the storytelling. I'm like taking down notes on like what pages I want to copy from, you know. So this is great stuff. And the art is really cool. I mean, it's it's Kirby. Like you, I, you cannot complain. I it's, it's always fun. It's got the great Kirby detail to it. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm just noticing like these costumes that these creatures wear, they've got masks that are all different. They've got gloves that are all different. They've got boots that are all different. Like everything about them mm -hmm. is just like design, design, design. There's design everywhere. Mm -hmm. the, the weird ghoulie as, as Scott calls them on page four, who has got a different mask, who looks different from everyone else. has even got like the Kirby swirl on his sleeve. I mean, Kirby really put the effort into designing these characters, though he probably just knocked it out in the space of 10 minutes. They all look so distinctive. And like on page eight, when Scott's led into the house and you got this character in the shroud and you got these folds on the shroud that look so perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like Kirby's just such a master at like something like ordinary like clothing folds like you, you just don't pay it any attention but like look at look at how it's kind of fits the character he's got the lines just where they need to be you get like a real sense of how big and oversized this thing is like this looks directly out of like a photograph almost and that's just something you get when you're just this master of comics art mm -hmm. And Oberon's skirt's getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Oberon is a little bit like, he might be a stand-in for Kirby. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think Just... Kirby thinks himself as a new god. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I don't think Kirby sees himself as a small man. I think Kirby sees himself as a big man. Mm. He knows he's the king. Yeah. It's not a negative to say that about Jack Kirby. Jack no, no, no. Maybe he thinks of himself as a as a new god, except like somehow part of his id is coming through Oberon. Yeah, because he's the human among all the... He looks like, like Oberon, maybe with yeah. a little bit more hair. So from now on, every issue has this weird construction too where it's split up into chapters. Oh, okay. And this is one of those weird things Kirby does in the end of his DC run, mm -hmm. where he starts dividing all the stories into chapters. If we were reading The Demon and Commandy, we'd be seeing the same thing. I don't know. I've never known what to make of this. Because like, if he came to DC and he was doing chapters from the beginning, he'd say, oh, this is a cool little throwback or something. But I can't, I've never been able to figure out why he splits his these stories into chapters. I wonder if it's, um, I don't know. I, I recollect hearing something about Kirby 
wanting comics to maybe not i don't know i wonder if he's trying to make it look like a book because books have chapters to give kind of like some legitimacy to comics perhaps and i've seen but i've seen in the older comics there have always been chapters like didn't like these old ec comics have chapters to their issues and if you read like an old issue of justice league or justice society they're often split up into chapters and like just a society famous for like, you know, Hawkman and Dr. Midnight go off and have their part of the adventure. Yeah. And so it's like split up into eight chapters and the beginning is beginning and the end are the wraparound stories and each one is, is written and drawn by the other teams. Um, but here they're like, it's all Kirby. I, if I, I, I think it might be that it's an excuse for Kirby to draw splash pages. Oh, okay. By this time, was he able to keep his own artwork? I don't think he was keeping his artwork at DC. Oh, breaks my heart. I think there's a controversy. There was a controversy about that. Mm. And this is also the time when every issue has a two-page splash on pages two and three, mm -hmm. which I think started mainly with Commandy. But I'm not sure. Every issue through the end, except for issue, oh no, I'm wrong. Just the next couple issues have the two-page splash. And then the last one is just like the goodbye one. So we have four more issues left. Yeah, and only and three of them are the uh, non-apocalypse issues, and then last issue is apocalypse again, the wedding, mm -hmm. weird wild wedding guests. But we get Shiloh next month or next week. All right, I'm looking forward to finding out because I've read modern stories about Shiloh, but I don't know his origin. Yeah, I have a feeling we wouldn't say much about this issue. It's got a lot of really nice Kirby artwork though. Mm -hmm. Page 22, panel one, the shadows on Mr. Miracle's eyes as the beams are shot at him. That's a really dramatic image. And then he flips it by having the light come out of the eyes in the next panel. Mm -hmm. Again, just great storytelling by Kirby. And just like he's really doing, he does a fantastic job of playing with like the visual continuity. You mm -hmm. never feel like you're lost in a Kirby comic ever, no matter what kind of weird pyrotechnics he tries to do in the issue. I was a little confused about the light reflecting from Mr. Miracle, but that said, he explains it in the writing. So that's okay. It's one of those kind of semi-arbitrary Kirby things, though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Miley thinks, like, this is Kirby pseudoscience like he likes to do. I, I want to say on the, on the next page, I guess it's 23, first panel, mm -hmm. that statue, there's a statue there of, like, something with horns or whatever. That reminds me a lot of, like, Mike Mignola and, and how, he, how Kirby has influenced Mignola with the shading and... Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a great shout out. A lot of the creatures in this issue look like they could come from Inola. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, those those masks and those and the, those characters in the masks, I should say, look like they could come right from Inola. Yeah. I mean, almost almost directly because there's a the cleanness to Kirby's lines here too. Like the demon on page eleven, like. I could see the one who holds Scott. I can absolutely see that in uh, in Mignola also. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's directly, he's heavily influenced by Kirby, as are most people, but yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just yep. so, so interesting. The, the same thing, though, on page 23. So one of the fan, uh, series I've really enjoyed is the Fanographic series that reprinted old Steve Ditko comics from the 1950s. Mm. You know, this, the, I think it's just the Ditko library. And one of the things that early Ditko had a lot of the time was these weird mystic creatures and statues or whatever that were in the foreground and characters small in the background. And it was implying, you know, we were, were engulfed by, by stuff that's outside of our control. And it's weird because this like echoes Steve Ditko's work on those comics. Mm -hmm. So another good issue, not the greatest issue, but yeah, actually good. I mean, they're all good. You know, I, I'm just th sitting here thinking we we're just praising the hell out of this comic and then saying, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, think about how high the bar is that Kirby created for himself. Yeah, yeah. Like, Mr. Miracle number 14 would never be anyone's favorite issue, even of Mr. Miracle. And yet, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great art. Right. Next week, we talk about the real Big Barda. The real Big Barda. Thanks, Amir. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.